Conversations with professionals for professionals in the laundry and linen services industry. This is the American Laundry News Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Matt Poe, editor of American Laundry News. This is episode 38 of the American Laundry News Podcast, Employees and Substance Abuse. Joining me today is Susan Fahey Desmond, a principal in the New Orleans office of Jackson Lewis PC. She focuses her practice in the areas of labor and employment and civil litigation. Susan conducts employee training seminars and frequently speaks on employment-related topics for groups such as the Society for Human Resource Management, Aurora Training Center, Edupliance, Audio Solutions, and other management organizations. Welcome to the podcast, Susan. Thank you, Matt. Before we get started, I just want to let the listeners know that this discussion is for information only. It's not legal advice, so consult your legal counsel of choice for advice on your specific situation. Let's start with the big picture. What's the state of substance abuse by employees in the workplace in the United States, and what's the incidence rate? Well, we talk about substance abuse in the United States. First of all, alcohol use. A lot of times people don't understand that or don't recognize that alcohol is just as much of a drug as any other drug. And alcohol is by far the most uh, abused drug in our society. Uh, I guess about 55% of the adult population does actively drink of that. You have about uh, 10% that are actually have an ongoing problem, alcohol problem that you know might be undiagnosed uh, or may be diagnosed is alcoholism. Uh, of course, the thing that gets them a lot of the news right now is opiates. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, we're seeing a lot of, you know, uh, problems with the overprescription of op- opiates and people becoming addicted to those. Of course, marijuana is getting a lot of attention just because we now have, quote unquote, states that have legalized marijuana. And it apparently appears to be that it might be removed from a Schedule One drug as far as federal law is concerned as well. So, you know, marijuana is a huge jump. There's been an increase about 16% of marijuana use since 2018. And that's obviously a direct result of the legalization of it. And then uh, the psychotherapeutic drugs, about 16.3 million. And then what's interesting is when you talk about the really, I mean, highly, highly addictive drugs like meth, that is just a very small segment of the population. It's less than uh, 10%. And heroin, which, uh, you know, at one time was a very popular drug, is now down to a 0.3% in popularity. So we don't see as much addictions with heroin. But most of our addictions now are alcohol and opiates. Oh, okay. So talking about work settings like laundries where they have big equipment, heavy products, and many moving parts, what's the incidence rate? What's the state of substance abuse in in those kind of facilities? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, it's not necessarily unique to laundry uh, facilities. When you're anytime anyone's around heavy, heavy equipment, there's always the potential for injury. And whether someone's under, under the influence or not under the influence, so there's always you know some potential for injury. And of course, if someone is under the influence, their response time will be slow. I mean, we know that workers' comp injuries increase dramatically when someone is working around heavy machinery while they are under the influence. So it's very important that employers not ignore a substance abuse problem. And I will be frank, every employer will at some point in time be faced with a substance abuse problem because mm. it is a very common illness and it is an illness. It does not discriminate. It is against all walks of life. 
And if you're going to be in business long enough, you will have to face it at some point in time. And it's not necessarily just going to be your hourly workers. It could be your CEO, the president of your okay. company. Hmm. And it could be, like I said, it does not discriminate. It's all walks of life. But again, when we talk about heavy machinery, I mean, just uh, having to provide a safe working place for your employees under OSHA regulations is very important. And that's one of the reasons, again, why you can't ignore substance abuse, nor do you want those workers' comp claims. <laughs> and so, you know, you want to deal with substance abuse before you are faced with, you know, potentially serious injuries from working around heavy machinery. How has COVID-19 affected the incidence rates of substance abuse in the workplace? Oh, COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, can't get away from it. You know, and obviously we've been in lockdown. Uh, we are now starting to come out of lockdown, but in large part we've been in lockdown for over a year now. And people have been working from home and uh, they have the opportunity when they are working from home to uh, have their happy hour drinks starting mm-hmm. a little earlier and earlier every day because no one's monitoring them to see if they are under the influence. And of course, we do know that the the, the pandemic and the lockdown is not good for anyone's mental health. And the mental health uh, numbers have increased dramatically. Psychiatrists and psychologists, their business is booming right now because of COVID-19. And what we do find is that when someone does have a mental illness, they are more likely to abuse substances. It's what's called uh, morbid disorder. And I'm not saying that every person has a mental illness is going to abuse substances, but we do know that I would say about 60 or 65 percent, if I remember the numbers uh, correctly, of those who have a substance abuse problem usually have an underlying mental illness. They're self-medicating is the way that people refer to it. Right, right. Instead of getting the medication or the help they need, they go to, they look at drugs and alcohol to self-medicate. And obviously, that's never a good way to handle it, but it it does happen very frequently. You mentioned already the legalization of marijuana. What challenges do these legalizations present to laundry and linen managers? Well, I mean, um, first of all, marijuana, uh, contrary to popular belief, is still illegal in the entire United States. Oh, really? And that is, yes, because it is a Schedule One drug under the Controlled Substances Act, meaning that according to the FDA and the federal government, that marijuana has no medicinal purposes and is highly addictive and is considered to be illegal. The federal government has never removed marijuana from the Schedule One drug. And still on a federal level, it is illegal. Now, you may ask yourself, why are states now saying they're legalizing marijuana? It's because the federal government has said that marijuana use or marijuana uh, laws were typically enforced by state governments anyway. The feds really didn't have too much to do with it. And they've just taken a blind eye to it. They are no longer budgeting to enforce the marijuana laws hmm. on a federal level. So that's, that's allowed the opening up for the states. And it is it's very problematic because when you are dealing with state laws uh, with regard to marijuana, they vary dramatically. Uh, you know, some states allow the uh, oil. Some are actually allow for medical marijuana, but then only for certain conditions. Others will allow for that recreational marijuana. And it can be problematic because, for example, and I'll give you a, where two states were diametrically opposite about how they were handling the same situation uh, with regard to an employee who had tested positive for marijuana. Uh, one of the cases was out of Colorado. The individual had tested positive for medicinal marijuana. He wasn't even doing a recreational use. He was taking it pursuant to a prescription. And he tested positive and was terminated for his under his employment. And he sued under Colorado's lifestyle discrimination statute that says that an employer cannot 
not discriminate against individuals for activity they're doing off duty that is legal. And of course, he said that marijuana use was legal Mm -hmm. under Colorado law and sued under that statute. It went to the Colorado Supreme Court and they rejected his his, uh, argument saying that it had to be legal under both federal and state law. And because it's still illegal under federal law, the lifestyle discrimination statute did not apply even though it was Colorado statute and not a you know federal statute. You want to compare that to Massachusetts that did something completely opposite, where they found that their statute prohibited employers from discriminating against individuals who were taking medicinal marijuana, marijuana for medicinal purposes. And they completely rejected the Colorado Supreme Court's argument that it had to be legal under both state and federal law. Particularly if you're operating in multiple states, that is very, very difficult and trying to keep up with all of those laws. And of course, you know, it is Again, I'm, as I say, we've seen this huge increase in the use of marijuana. This problem's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and of course, the federal government does eventually uh, remove marijuana as a Schedule One drug. I think that will address some of the issues because maybe we'll have more of a unified basis for dealing with right. marijuana. But right now, it's just so piecemeal, yeah. and it just makes it very difficult to deal with it. Right. So let's talk about some other um, drugs out there. Let's talk about what are some of the more popular illegal substances that workers use today and how do these substances affect the employees and the workplace? Well, of course, anytime someone is abusing drugs and it not, we're not just talking about uh, your illegal drugs, your street drugs. Uh, obviously, that's those drugs are problematic, but we're even talking about abuse of prescription drugs. That does tend to be more of a problem in our society. The uh, painkillers that are being prescribed, uh, the opiates, that, that we do seem to have that problem. And frankly, we've, we've seen that doctors are more than willing to prescribe hmm. uh, these type of medications. And, you know, and it is problematic because anytime someone is under the influence, they uh, usually, I mean, you have signs but they usually will slur their speech. They, uh, even if they, you know, they'll slur their speech or they'll be argumentative, they may become combative. Uh, so they can't even be a hazard, uh, you know, in a workplace violence type situation. And so we have those type of situations. And even someone who's trying to get off of medication, let's say that someone knows they have a problem and they're trying to, you know, uh, trying to deal with the issue, they will have the uh, tremors, they will have inattention to detail, uh, because their their body is still trying that uh, trying to develop that chemical balance of how we pay attention to things. And they usually are very short tempered. And, uh, you know, so it's you have a lot of the same problems, even from when they're under the influence and when they're actually trying to back off the use. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's move into some safety legal issues here. First, what safety concerns do managers need to be aware of when it comes to employee substance abuse? Well, uh, first of all, uh, under OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health Administration laws, every employer uh, does have an obligation to provide a safe working environment for their employees. And that does mean that, again, you have to address these issues when they arise. You have to look at them uh, because anytime, I I don't think I've ever handled an OSHA investigation that involved a serious injury where they didn't find the company. Mm-hmm. significant fine and they will find something wrong right, <laughs> if, right. if someone has been significantly injured regardless of whether it was because of their fault uh, because they were under the influence so it's again it's very it's very important for employers to focus on it and we all you know in addition to OSHA we also have the Americans with Disabilities Act that sometimes we have to look at uh, the ADA does disqualify anyone who is currently engaging in the use of illegal drugs as being disabled 
under the ADA, but past use is considered a disability. Well, that kind of begs the question, what's past use? What's current use? Is it in the moment? Right. And so uh, and most courts say that it has to be so far in the past that a, a relapse is not likely. And so and they, and you get different schools of thought on that as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if someone is, I've got a case right now that I'm dealing with where someone was taking marijuana for medicinal purposes and she's claiming that she oh, should have been accommodated under the ADA because she was taking it for medicinal purposes. And so, you know, these you know, you have to be aware of those type of laws. And then you also have to be aware of your local marijuana laws or your local drug laws. So you've talked a little bit about this. Let's go a little bit more about the legal ramifications with employees having substance abuse problems in a laundry. When you talk about the legal ramifications of substance abuse, you just have to, uh, again, uh, you have an increase in workers' compensation claims. You have, and this is not really legal, but you always have uh, production problems because people are not producing. You are likely to have high absenteeism. You're likely to have high turnover because people, once they start realizing someone's getting uh, educated that they might have a substance abuse problem, guess what they do? They quit and go to the next job right. before they get caught. <laughs> And and eventually they will get caught. Eventually it will catch up to them. But those are some more practical things. But as far as legal ramifications, someone could sue you for failure to protect, depending on the state law. Uh, If you did have knowledge that someone potentially uh, had a substance abuse problem and you weren't taking it seriously. I have situations where people are called in for a drug test and uh, because they feel like there's a reasonable suspicion they're under the influence. They call. They call. They come in for a drug test, and they don't, they refuse. And one of the things I'm always cautious in advising my clients when they refuse, that's fine. They can be terminated for refusing that test, but don't let them get in a car. Mm. Don't let them drive home. And because then you've subjected yourself potential liability that you knew that they were under the influence, and you let them get in the car. And now if you can't, if there's no way you can avoid them getting in a car, my recommendation is usually call the police, give them the license number, the description of the car, where they were going, and hopefully they'll stop them before they do hurt someone. Right. But always make sure that you're protecting yourself as a company with regard to anyone operating heavy machinery or getting in their car or anything like that. You want to protect yourself as a company from any type of negligence type claims. Well, let's go this a, a little bit further into this. So what does a laundry manager, the human resources department, what do they need to be concerned about in dealing with an employee with a substance abuse problem? Well, I, and I will tell you that every company is a little bit different. Some companies do handle those with substance abuse problems uh, more delicately in the sense that they will uh, try to work with them, get them the help they need. Other companies take a very you know, bright line, you're under the influence, you're fired. Uh And there's no requirement for a company to give anyone an opportunity to go through rehab. But it is obviously the way to save potentially a good employee's job. They're, they've become a bad employee because they have a problem. But, you know, they, they, at some point, they probably were a very good employee for your organization. You know, it's, it is a humane thing to do sometimes, but it's not obviously it's a business decision about whether to do it. Supervisors and managers should always be trained what to look out for, uh, have that reasonable suspicion checklist. And so that they know when someone is potentially under the influence, they should never accuse someone of being under the influence. 
until uh, call them in. But supervisors or managers just should stay away from that and just you know call upper management or human resources to the extent you have an HR department and advise them and let them handle it from there. Okay. And, and you know, and you also just never want to jump to the conclusion that someone does have. A substance abuse problem. I've had situations, for example, someone who's going through a diabetic insulin problem. They actually smell of alcohol use, and they actually look like they're under, mm. like they're drunk. Mm-hmm. And it's not, has nothing to do with alcohol. Making so the can, accusation can kind of open yourself up to other yeah. Problems. You get to open yourself up. What we could say that they didn't have a disability, but you assume they did, and so that's you. You don't want to open yourself up with those stray remarks, and just tackle the issue head on. And uh, but supervisors really don't need to. They need to be more of a reporter as opposed to dealing with it directly with the employee. Okay. So what steps? Do you recommend a laundry take to protect itself and its employees and its customers before an issue arises? Warning is always the best thing. We find that people who are warned that you are going to drug test them, they're not likely to come work at your company. <laughs> right. So that's the first thing, just warning someone. We do drug tests and it's and those who know that they will fail a drug test, they, they're going to go on to someone else, uh, another company, because, you know, obviously they don't want to get caught and that type of thing. Uh, so warning is always critical. Also being upfront with your employees about what you are testing for, being upfront with your employees about what levels of cutoffs in the drug test that you will discipline them for so that because they're entitled to know what what do you mean about being under the influence? Mm-hmm. And what is your company's definition of being under the influence? Is it having one glass of wine at lunch? Is it having two glasses of wine? Or what about the wine that's served at the uh, Christmas party? And uh, that type of thing. So you you have to address those. And it is important to do that through a written policy that does comply with state law. That is a very unique state law issue. It's not a federal law issue when we talk about what has to be in a drug testing policy. So you would do want to make sure that you get a competent legal counsel to go over any type of policy that you have that you want to put in place. But warning is the best deterrent here. And uh, and also just sending the message that you're serious about it. So if the listeners walked away from this podcast remembering just one thing about employee substance abuse, what would you want that to be? It is important to me, and I think that most employers and most most of us, we need to recognize that substance abuse is, is an underlying illness. It is not a choice in life. The choice to use the substance is obviously at first, the first time they ever use it, that is a choice. But as time goes on, they they lose their ability to make that choice. And so it is an illness and we need to get rid of the stigma associated with substance abuse and help these people who, you know, we would send them to a doctor or get tell them to get help uh, for anything else. Why are we not going to do it for substance abuse? You've offered the listeners some great information. Uh, Thanks for being here, Susan. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. And thank you for listening. For the American Laundry News Podcast, this is Matt Poe reminding everybody to keep it clean. The American Laundry News Podcast is a production of American Trade Magazine's LLC in Chicago. The music, titled Holding On, composed by Poddington Bear, is supplied through the Free Music Archive. For more information about future podcasts, visit our website at AmericanLaundryNews.com or consult The Wire, our weekly e-newsletter. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter to stay informed about these podcasts, along with news and information from around the industry. This has been the American